There's an old uh, Greek legend uh, that goes something like this. There was an Athenian man who uh, noticed the great storyteller uh, that we probably most of us grew up uh, hearing, uh, Aesop. And, and he noticed uh, Aesop, uh, that Greek storyteller, that famous Greek storyteller, sitting on the ground, playing with a bunch of kids, and, and he was laughing and cutting up as he played with them, and, and he was playing with their toys. <laughs> and, and this Athenian was marveled and surprised and um, maybe a little bit disappointed that there's Aesop of Aesop's fables, as we know now, um, sitting there laughing and playing with children's toys. So he laughed and he jeered at Aesop and he said to him, why are you spending so much time in such a frivolous activity? Why wouldn't you be about your work, about your mission? And Aesop responded by picking up a bow. And, and he loosened the strings of the bow and he placed it on the ground and he looked at that Athenian, Athenian man and he said, now answer this riddle if you can. Tell us what the unstrung bow implies. Of course, the man looked at it for several minutes and didn't have any idea what Aesop was talking about. So he finally told him. He explained it this way. He says, if you keep a bow always bent, it will break eventually. But if you let it go slack, it will be more fit for use when you want to use it. I wonder how many of you walked in here today and you feel like a bow that has been pulled and stretched and bent and put under pressure for so long that you're absolutely exhausted with life and work and mission. And it was just enough to get up this morning and be here at church. I think sometimes uh, you and I were, were a lot like that bow that has never had any tension in it released. We're so focused on what we're supposed to be doing to earn money. We're so focused on the stress of life, of raising kids if you're here and you're in that phase of life, of being concerned about grandkids if you're in that phase of life, um, you know, uh, trying to figure out what you're going to do past your work phase of life. Maybe you're getting ready for college or getting ready to be on your own and there's so many things that pull at you. I wonder how good we are for each other. I wonder how good we are for our communities. I wonder how good we are for our families and for the body of Christ because we're often stretched so far. It just makes me wonder if we're of any use to anyone. Today, uh, we are kind of heading into the home stretch of this series that we've been in this summer. Don't forget this. And we've taken a look at several different things from the Bible where God says to remember specifically some kind of command, some kind of value, some kind of principle or practice that he wants us to really seriously pay attention to. And so we've taken a look at uh, quite a few of these, and this summer I haven't done any review so far, but I just want to review what we've done. We've taken a look at the fact that God says it's so important to not forget his provision, his blessing, our parents' wisdom. Yes, teenagers, I realize you don't think they have any wisdom. They do, I promise you, okay? Um, I am one, so of course. Anyway, and uh, so God says to not forget that. He says to not forget his blessing and his provision, his freedom, his hope, his commands, the generous life. We looked at that one last week. And today, we're going to be taking a look at the command that God gives all the way back at the beginning of the Bible when he says, don't forget the Sabbath. Don't forget the Sabbath. 
Next week, we're going to be finishing off this series by um, partaking and, and receiving communion together as a church family. It's going to be a great time as we look at not forgetting the um, sacrifice that God made by sending his son. But today, I want to pause and just take a look at this whole idea of Sabbath. And I realize that when I say that word, just the mention of the word itself, uh, for some of you, causes like a little bit of, uh, you know, like you shudder when you hear that word. Because like Sabbath had to do with church and getting there and being there and maybe even being forced to be there. I'm not going to ask how many hands are in that boat today. But anyway, um, you know, like it just may bring up something for you that's not so good. And this is a theme that we looked at earlier in the year in January. We spent four weeks talking about what the Sabbath means. And today is a bit of review, but it's also going to be adding to something that I did want to talk about then um, in relation to that. Because I think this is one of the most important principles that God tells us to not forget. I think it's one of the most important principles, one of the most important spiritual practices that you and I need to pay attention to. And oddly enough, and ironically enough, I think it's so interesting that this is the one that we may forget. And even if you're here today and um, you're leaving to go on vacation next week or, you know, you're taking some time off here later in the summer or maybe you've already taken some time off and you've rested um, and maybe you're here from Pennsylvania or Indiana or... There you go. You got it. Um, you know, maybe you're here today and like you're on vacation. How many of you have ever done this? Like you've taken a week off or you took a day off or maybe some of you have the option to take a month off. That's great. And, and you get to the end of that time off and you say, I'm as tired now as when I started. How many of you have been in that boat before? I'm raising my hand. Okay. Awesome. Very good. Have fun in your car this afternoon heading back to Columbus. Okay. So anyway, um, but we do, we, we take these times off in our life, but I wonder if we truly understand what God's intent for this subject matter is. You see, because when we hear the word Sabbath, we, we think of maybe gathering together at church, and I believe that's part of it. We think of maybe coming together and, and having a time where we dedicate to the Lord, where we worship together as a church. I think that's part of it. I'm going to talk about that. But I think it's so much bigger than that. I think it's so much deeper than that. Just by definition of the word, the word itself, the word Sabbath, it's really mentioned throughout Scripture, not just once, but many different times. It literally means, the word literally means a deep rest. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to be there, and then we're going to jump over to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 to finish up today. Um, the word Sabbath means deep rest. It's interesting because God worked for six days and in the beginning of the Bible, and then it says that what did he do on the seventh day? He what? He rested. He rested. And then we see the nation of Israel as they're wandering in the desert. Um, the, uh, God gives them these ten commandments, these ten practices, uh, spiritual practices that are the most important things that, that uh, we as a people could have received and the, the Jewish people received them then. And we, um, as Christ followers, if you're a Christ follower, um, we abide by them now or we should abide by them now. And, and among the ten most important things that God says that we as a people should do or practice is this concept of deep rest. Check this out in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember a time of deep rest to keep it holy. 
Now, here's what I want to do to begin with. I, I want to kind of build uh, maybe a working definition for some of you. And it isn't in the notes. It's not on the screens. So if you're a note taker, you got a, a lot of chance to take notes. We're giving you a lot of uh, space to do that with. Um, I, I believe that our concept of the Sabbath, largely from our tradition uh, as, as church-going people, if you're one of those, um, that like our definition really comes a lot from tradition and, and from heritage, uh, but the, the Bible, I believe, has a, a multi-pronged view on this, and God's intent for the Sabbath is really multifaceted. And we're going to take a look at that uh, specifically today, but I want to give definition to it. Here's what I believe God intends for us to understand when he says, uh, when he says that we are supposed to have the Sabbath and, and keep it holy. Um, yes, for the Jewish people, it was a time where they came together and they worshiped together. Yes, it was a time where they focused on the goodness of God, and I think that's an important part of the Sabbath. Yes, it was a time where they celebrated and, and lived life together, but I believe that we often miss the most important part of Sabbath, and that is the rest part of Sabbath. And we can live our lives taking time off, going on vacation, living for the weekend, focusing every day on the day that you're off, and we do all of that, and we get to the end of it, and we're still tired. We're still exhausted. And I think part of the reason that's the case is that we truly don't understand why God wanted us to have a day of rest and remembering him. So here's the definition I want to give for Sabbath. The Sabbath is a specific day of the week, a specific day of the week established by God, established by God for the purpose of focused worship, and intentional rest. It's a specific day of the week set aside by God for the purpose of focused worship and intentional rest. And here's back in January, here's why we said that it's not just about corp it's not just about worship. It is because worship is something that if you're a Christ follower, if you're a sincere God follower, worship is something that throughout the course of your daily life, you and I, the Bible's clear that we should be focused on worship. Our lives should be focused on worshiping on throughout the week so that when we gather here together on what a lot of you traditionally think of as the Sabbath day on Sunday, um, that what we're doing here is just a culmination, hopefully, of all of us living a life of worshiping God, worshiping Him through the, what we say, how we treat people, what we do with our, our spare time, what we do with our work time, uh, what we do with our hobbies, how we conduct ourselves, what we eat, what we drink, how we live our lives is all part of worshiping God. And so when we come together on Sunday, part of the Sabbath, if your Sabbath day is Sunday, is to gather together to worship him. That's the tradition of the Jewish people, even though it was Friday into Saturday and not Sunday. Our tradition is Sunday. And, and so we, we see that um, like part of that is worship. And here's my challenge over the course of the next year. And some of you have begun to hear me say that. Um, but if you're part of Hilton Head Island Community Church... You're a member here, or a regular tender. Here's what you're going to hear me say um, day in and day out, week in and week out. You're going to hear me say this over the course of the next uh, uh, like year or beyond because I believe that Sunday is so important that we gather together and we come in after worshiping with our lives and worship together. So here's what you're going to hear me say. If you're here, be here. If you're here, be here. Okay, so that doesn't apply if you're from Columbus, Ohio, or somewhere in Pennsylvania or Indiana. That's fine. Well, it may, because hopefully you'll go back and do the same thing, right? 
If you're here, be here. If you're there, be there. If you're here in town, don't miss the great opportunity to come together and join with other uh, believers and non-believers alike and worship God. That's an important part of Sabbath. That's an important part of remembering God. But I think if we read the rest of the story, if we read the next few verses, we're going to find that Sabbath is so much deeper in its meaning. In fact, let's check it out. I love this. Let's check it out down here in uh, uh, verses 9 through 11. He says this, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughters. And then he says your male servants or female servants, livestock or the sojourner within your gate, uh, contextualized for that day and time. That's not for us today. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heaven, heaven, heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and what's that next word? Rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You see, I think to truly um, understand what God desires in this command to not forget the Sabbath, we need to understand the why. And I want to like kind of undo three major misconceptions of why the Sabbath exists. A lot of you believe that the, the Sabbath, like why it's important is because of routine. Some of you have been coming to church all of your life and you come to church and you worship together and you're here and you know what? That's good. But if routine is the primary reason that you are worshiping on the Sabbath, then at some point in time, the Sabbath will become mundane. It'll just become commonplace because it's a part of a routine. Routine is good. I'm not saying it's bad. Being at church is a good part of your routine. But if that is the why behind your Sabbath, at some point in time, it's going to become mundane. And I want to speak to those of you who are students right now. You guys are about ready to go um, on, a, on a week camp with uh, Todd um, Cooper and our, all of our excellent volunteers. we got a bunch going to camp. And, and part of what Todd and his volunteers are doing and Summer and her volunteers are doing is try to instill in you the idea of making Sunday a part of your routine. It's not bad. But if that's the only reason you do it, if, well, that's what I do, is the only reason you do it at some point in time, it's going to be mundane. Secondly, some of you come because that's what your family did. That's what your heritage says. And that's a good thing, right? Parents, I encourage you parents to um, model and demonstrate and show and drag your kids to church because it's a good thing, it's a good practice. But if the only reason behind the Sabbath is heritage, at some point in time, the Sabbath is going to be stale. And then thirdly, some of you go to church and you have a Sabbath because it's law, because God says so. And there couldn't be a better reason, right? But if that's the only reason, if that's the only why behind the Sabbath, at some point in time, it's going to become constricting for you. See, God doesn't want the Sabbath to be something that's mundane or stale or constricting. And that's why I believe that he wants us to tie the whole idea of deep rest and worshiping him with our work for him. 
with our purpose in his kingdom. Our personal mission for him. You see, I believe that God wants us to have a Sabbath and to have it be set apart. That's what the word holy means and to have it be protected. We're going to talk about that in a moment because of his glory, but he also does it because of our good. You see, he wants us to be fulfilled and joyful. We're going to look at that in a moment in our work, in our labor. And the only reason that, or the only way that we can do that is to have a day when we rest. I know from personal experience, when I don't have a day where I remember the things of God and recharge my energy and replenish my spirit and rest my body, when I don't have days like that, at some point in time over the course of that next week, this 43-year-old is going to act like a two-year-old. That's going to happen. How many, be honest, have experienced that before? Not from someone else, like you've been the 40-something or beyond. That, yeah, thanks, Andy, for raising your hand high, man. I appreciate that, my buddy over here. Um, and so, like, that's what happens. And here's my point. You and I, doesn't matter if you're 43 or, or 23 or 83, you and I are no good for those people around us, for our communities, for our churches, for the kingdom work, if we don't find our rest in Jesus. We can rest physically. We can get eight hours of sleep every night. We can exercise. We can do all the right things, eat right. But if we don't take time to focus on him, you and I will be no good in our mission and in our calling and what we're supposed to do. In fact, it could be just the opposite. It could be that we actually harm kingdom work when we don't take time to rest. It could be that we actually harm our families. It could be that we actually harm our marriages and our extended family and our church community and the community that we live in and the kingdom work when we don't find rest in Jesus. Now, I believe that God gives us a lot of freedom in when and how we do this. Um, it's very obvious that some of you, like some of you, have to work on Sundays. And so some of you, and I'm so proud of you, that you make coming together for corporate worship an important part of your spiritual practice, and then you go, you go work. That, I get that. I understand that. In fact, in so many ways, today is a very important work day for myself and for Cynthia and for our staff. And so Sunday is not the best day for a time of rest. Yes, it's part of the Sabbath because we worship together, and I want you to be about that. But you know, on the other hand, there are, we, we've got to, we have to get away and we have to focus on resting and recharging our batteries and focusing on those spiritual things and kind of getting in alignment with where God wants us. And sometimes that can't happen on a certain day. My best days are Friday and Saturday. For you, it may be something different, Friday or Saturday. Uh, it may be different for you. It may be someday during the week. We've got to find that place. And then I believe when God says to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, that word holy, here's, I don't want you to miss this. I think it is so important. That word holy means set apart. And you know what we need to do? We need to protect. We need to protect that day of the week that we can spiritually recharge ourselves, don't we? We all need it. Each one of us needs it. We all need it because you and I, if we're Christ followers, 
we got to be on mission for God. And so rest is a vital spiritual practice because you and I being on mission for God is vital to the kingdom of God. That's why rest, that's why Sabbath rest is such an important spiritual practice. Because you and I being on mission for God is vital in kingdom work. What you're doing if you're a stay-at-home mom, what you're doing if you're a businessman and you're involved in corporate America, if you have your own company, if you're um, a student in here and you're um, you know, in, about ready to be in school again, I, I know, I'm so sorry. Parents, yes, it's coming. <laughs> anyway, um, like that's your mission for God. Whatever that thing is, whether it's full-time vocation for him uh, or whether it's, uh, you know, some of you are, are in that retirement phase of life. And all of a sudden, you find yourself with a lot of time. <laughs> I'm so proud of those of you who are in the phase of life that you're either heading into retirement or you are retired um, because here at this church, we have so many of you that are serving. And you understand something about Scripture, and that is, is there's not much about retirement mentioned in that book. You understand that God's plan for you is to continue to work for him and his kingdom. And you need a day of rest as well. And so it's vital that we do that. And I think that we need to understand it is so important. It is so important that it's listed among the 10 practices that God said are the 10 most important practices for people who are sincere God followers. And not only that, but over in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we read a whole passage that I believe just absolutely breathes this idea of the fact that we need to have rest so that we can work. We need to have rest so that we can work. We need to have rest so that we can work. Check this out. You can turn your Bible, uh, in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, or you can just follow along. It'll be on the screens behind me. I love this. Some of you will know, know the song that was written, okay, about this, but I don't want you to think of the song. I want you to think of what God is trying to say to you right now. He says this, the writer, for everything there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And then the writer here, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, makes a list of different things. And I want you to notice the on-off mentality of all of these things in some form or fashion. Check this out. He says this, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up. That means harvest what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent, silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, time for war, and a time for peace. Do you, do you see the on-off nature of the examples that he just listed? There's an on and an off, on and off mentality. And for us to be on, for us to have a harvest for us to have the healing, for us to have the laughter, for us to have the dancing and, and the gathering together uh, and the embracing, there has to be a time that it's off. And then the writer continues. We're going to read verses 9 through 13. He says this, what gain has the worker from his toil? It's a great question. One of those questions 
that we often wake up in the middle of the night thinking about. He says, I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. We know some, but we don't know all. That means comprehension. Verse 12, and here's where I want to land and end in verse 12 and 13. He says this, I perceived that there is nothing better for them, meaning us, being man, to, than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, verse 13, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his toil. This is God's gift to man. You see, I think when we don't listen to God's command to... to um, have a Sabbath, and to keep that Sabbath and to focus on it, we find no joy in our work. We could have the greatest job in the world, and we could have the greatest family in the world, and we could have the best environment in the world, and we walk away and we're mad and we're frustrated and we're discouraged. I believe because we haven't found rest in God. I know I get there very quickly. I get there very quickly. I get to that point where I'm frustrated with life, even though life is going great. I get ornery, and I get cranky, and you can ask my family, because I haven't taken time to rest in God. Why do we rest? So that we can work for him. When do we do it? I believe that God gives you the freedom on that. How do you do it? I believe God gives you freedom on that as well. And here's what I want you to do. Here's your action item for those of you who are are God followers. I want to challenge you to make a list of the things that you do in life that are not sinful, (laughs) that are not unhealthy, that help you to rest. Make a list of those things that you do in life that help you to rest. For me... um, it's things like playing golf, most of the time. <laughs> it's things like working in the yard. Some of you are like, are you kidding me? Seriously, that helps you to rest. For me, it's doing projects around the house. Yesterday was a Sabbath for me, and I painted my son's uh, room, and I loved it. I loved it. I know, I'm weird. I'm, I, I have issues. I really do, okay? I get it. <laughs> because for me, spending time doing that, is me doing something that I don't normally do. And it's a release, and it helps me to rest, helps me to relax, and it helps me to be better. And yeah, I wake up this morning, and I am sore because it was all day, and I'm not working out right now, and yeah, that stinks. But anyway, I wake up, and I'm sore, but you know what? There's a sense of accomplishment, and there's time I just got to talk to God just quietly, just me and him. You need to find out what are those things that you do that help you to rest. Secondly, what are those things that help you to focus on God? What are those things that you do to help you to focus on God? You see, sometimes we spend our Sabbath doing things that don't help us to rest, and they certainly don't help us to focus on God. They may relax us. We may think they're good for us. But if we want our spiritual lives revitalized from Sabbath rest, we got to do things that help us to rest and help us to put our eyes on God. And then lastly, here's the last thing I want to challenge you to do. Select a day of the week 
For some of you, because of your schedule, it might be a different day of the week each week. Select it and protect it. Select that day of the week and protect it at all costs. Know what your week looks like. Know what it's going to be in terms of work and make sure that you plan in time to rest and remember the things of God. A bow that is relaxed is ready to be used when it's most needed. But the one that is stretched out so thin and filled with so much tension and bent is not able to be used when it most needs to be used. And I want to encourage you, if you're a Christ follower in here, doesn't matter where you're from, what church you go to, where you live, um, God has a mission and he has a purpose and he has a plan for your life. And your ability to do that to its best is when you have rest. So find that time, find that place, find those things that will help point you to the one that can give you rest. And that's Jesus. God, thank you so much for your encouragement and your challenge and your instruction to us to not forget the Sabbath. And God, I thank you that uh, it's just not a random command. God, it's not arbitrary. Um, you, your design in the Sabbath is that we remember who you are and what you've done. But God, as a result of that, we find rest mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And God, I pray that you would help those who walked in here today and they are worn out with life. And they're Christ followers and they're frustrated and Oh, they're bickering and fighting and they're ornery and, oh, wow, they're just tired. And God, I pray that you would help them right now to realize what a joy and what a gift it is that you give us rest and that you allow us to find that place of rest in you. God, help each one of them to find out what those things are that they can do or not do that will help them to be rested and then find those things that they can do that will help them point their their mind and their attention, their heart's attention to you. God, then may they protect it. May they select that day and protect it. God, I pray that you would help me to do that. I fail at this sometimes. God, we all do, but I, I pray that you would help us to understand the heaviness and the importance and how vital it is we find our rest in you. God, I pray for those who may have walked in here today. Maybe they were dragged here. Maybe they really didn't want to come to church. But something that was said or sung or something that you're speaking to them right now about is telling them that they need a major change in their life. And that change is to accept you as their Savior. You know, for those of you who are here and you're a doubter or a skeptic or you have been and Maybe you feel like God's just really kind of talking to you right now. The Holy Spirit's just speaking to you right now. Um, part of the reason that we can have that joy that Ecclesiastes talks about, and part of the reason that we can celebrate our lives is because we know where we're going when we die. God sent his son Jesus to die for the sins of all humanity. And uh, the Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus rose again from the dead and if you confess with your mouth 
that he's Lord, you'll be saved. And so the Bible essentially says all you have to do is believe in Jesus. Confess your sins and believe in him and you'll be saved. So right now I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you've never prayed this before, if you've never considered accepting Jesus as your Savior, let me, let me challenge you and let me invite you um, to say yes to him right now. It's a prayer that I'm going to pray that... Um, your words may not be the same. God doesn't care about that. He really cares about the intent of your heart. And I want to invite you right now, if you're in that place where you don't know where you would go if you died because of sin, and I want to invite you to pray this prayer. God, thank you so much for making me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Today, I admit that I'm a sinner. And today... I give my life to you. I put my belief in you for eternity. If you prayed that prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand just so I can pray for you. I won't call you up or call you out or embarrass you. Just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer so I can pray for you. Awesome. Anyone else? Awesome. Keep them up for just a moment. Awesome. Thank you. God, I thank you for those, you can put your hands down, who raised their hand today, God, and accepted you as their Savior. God, I pray that they would learn what it means to find the rest in you, and that the, for the rest of us, that we would learn that too. God, I thank you so much that we can be anchored in you. God, because on our own, we can't find it. On our own, we, we're, we fail. And God, I pray that each one of us in this room would find our rest in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.